Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the borrower with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. The following program is a production of the Barroom Network. It is intended for all audiences. Doug Buffoon. This defense sucks. This is moronic. John Buffoon. Is Bill Lazor a good play caller, or is Nat Nagy such a bad play caller that it makes average look like Bill Walsh? Doug was behind the microphone first. He never held back. Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64-yard drives. Now, it's his nephew, John. And there's no holding this buffoon back either. What the Bears are right now is what has been wrong with them for over 30 years. Just aim to be competitive and do your best to be average. And maybe we should just accept that. Because the front office sure as hell did. I don't mind you getting beat. I got my ass whipped many times. But I tell you, I took somebody down with me. The games have been close because the defense, your offense, which you came in to revolutionize, has gotten worse as the years go by. It's Buffon 55, the John Buffon Show. Welcome to another edition of Buffone 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down those lovable Chicago Bears. I am your host, John Buffone. Alongside me is my trusty producer and co-host, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, the Bears score a big win over one of the few teams in the league that actually looks more dysfunctional than them. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I mean, I'm doing good considering, you know, the Bears are not, like you said, the worst team in the league. It's nice to be able to see that there are teams way worse off than them. So I'm kind of leaving, you know, this week feeling confident. And, hey, they won two straight games. When's the last time that happened? Uh, might be too little too late. <laughs> I'm not. I, I, I just, it's hard for me to get overly excited about it. But uh, oh, so, okay. yeah, so we're, we're going into the last game of the year. The Bears have one game left in what we can only call a forgettable season as they go against a division rival in Minnesota that also really has nothing to play for. So uh, they could be making some changes of their own at the end of the season. We'll get the inside scoop on that a little bit later. But just in case you decide to make this the first time you've ever watched or listened to Buffone 55, you missed the entire season, but we appreciate you being here now. Alyssa, can you give these folks a rundown of how the show works? So Buffone 55 has three segments, and we start off with our B55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions, and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffone, his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. That's then followed by learning about the Bears' upcoming opponent from someone who follows them closely. We then finish things up by going into Buffon's basement, where Aldo Gandia joins us, and we have a Bears therapy session and let out our feelings. So, John, the Bears are out of the playoff hunt, but I hope you aren't out of rants. You ready? Never out of rants. Let's get to it. (laughs) 
So, John, the Bears have won two games in a row, the latest come against a very bad Giants squad. Was there anything we, as fans, can take away from the Bears' latest victory? Well, I guess uh, I, I guess we, the, the front office of the Bears couldn't be happier with the timing of this game because, if nothing else, it shows that things could always be worse. The Giants are an absolute abomination from the top down. Now, it does say something that the guy who was playing quarterback for the Giants was the guy that Ryan Pace felt comfortable enough to give $45 million. But overall, I'd much rather be a Bears fan than a Giants fan right now. The Giants might be changing out their GM, but it appears that they're going to hamstring that new GM with the current head coach and the current quarterback. Not exactly an enticing position. Uh, The Bears have their young quarterback, and it appears that they'll be bringing in a new head coach and maybe a new GM coin toss at this point, I guess. Uh, So outside of seeing what the Giants go through, there wasn't a ton of things to take away from this game uh, other than Robert Quinn setting a milestone. Andy Dalton played so what big deal uh so i'm glad they won but i don't think my anyone's opinion has changed about this team are you in favor of getting the rookie one more game before the end of the season or do you think they should just shut him down you have 55 seconds so i I will start with this qualifier Uh, if justin fields is in fact 100 healthy i have no problem with him starting in fact i i support it I, i know this isn't the scheme he'll be running next year but He can still get some valuable reps with his teammates to keep learning the speed of the NFL and get a little more on film as he prepares for his offseason program because there isn't going to be the same merry-go-round crap we saw this year. Justin Fields will be ingrained as the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears on January 10th. The day after the season is over, the Andy Dalton era is over, the Matt Nagy era is over, and the Justin Fields era begins its true ascension. I understand there's a risk of putting him in uh, there during another meaningless game at the end of the year, but this could be the ceremonial passing of the torch. 2021 is over. Justin Fields can lead this team as they enter the 2022 season. Yeah, you know, kind of, you know, looking at this game and, you know, they started three different quarterbacks in as many weeks. And, you know, the, the first instinct is you want to protect Fields for the next year, right? At this point, we want to get him as far away from Matt Nagy as humanly possible. But at the same time, you know, you want to see this is a final game for Fields, you know, to finish out hopefully his rookie year on a positive note for him to kind of head into the offseason, knowing, you know, seeing what there is to build upon. Obviously, things are going to change. He's going to have to learn a new offense and everything. But, you know, I mean, I, I, I kind of had a hard, you know, kind of time just, you know, picking a side because, you know, at one point I want him safe. You don't want to risk further mm-hmm. injury. At the same time, I still want to see what he has left in the tank. You want to see him one more time because it's going to be an eight months before, you know, another eight months before we see another regular season football game with Justin Fields in it. So, I mean, I'm just praying that everything goes goes fine, you know, whether Fields plays or not. So, I mean, at this point, give, give Bears fans a little something to go off of. Yeah, and it gives the next coach a little more tape to go off to see what he does well, what he needs work on. Uh, like like you said, it, there's I don't want to see anything – mess up his off-season progression because this is going to be a very important off-season for him as he takes over the reins as the full-time starter unlike the absolute disaster that went on this year of not giving him any number one reps during training camp and then be like oh you know what that whole plan about Andy Dalton starting most of the year yeah forget about it it's week three we're not doing that anymore uh so uh I I think that this is a very important off-season but I also think it's still important to get one more set of game reps real game speed reps before you hit that off-season 
Yeah, absolutely. This offseason is going to be key. And especially, you know, to go out on a strong game, like you said, give the next head coach another game because, you know, Fields hasn't played too many games because he's missed a several games with an injury. And then it took until week three for him to start. So, I mean, as many reps as possible, like you said, for him to go ahead and make those mistakes and to learn and to have more film to study in the offseason will be nice. Absolutely. Okay, so Robert Quinn surpassed Richard Dent's Bears' single-season sack record against the Giants. The 31-year-old tallied his 18th sack and has completely left his abysmal 2020 season behind him. What does Quinn's 2021 campaign say about him and what he means to this team? The clock starts when you do. I could not be more impressed with Robert Quinn or more proud that he's a Chicago Bear. Yeah, breaking Dent's record is incredible, and he'll forever be ingrained in Chicago Bears history, and his freakish bend and ability to get to the quarterback this year will be remembered for a long time. Uh, but what's even more impressive is if this guy could have just easily cashed in and moved along. Many people, including myself, were incredibly critical of Robert Quinn and his contract last year, but he got himself right. He took the league by storm this year, and this is a testament to his commitment to his team, his professionalism, and his overall character. He can be the guy that new players look up to. Maybe not from what he says, but more from what he does. If you watched his post-game press conference on Sunday, he was so humble, and it is just so obvious that he's in it because he loves the game. I was so wrong about Robert Quinn, and he's forever going to have a fan in me. Great season and basically a great story. Yeah, I think most Bears fans, as we can say that we're sorry, Robert, for <laughs> what we had to say last year, because we came down on him pretty hard, which was to yeah. be expected considering how much the Bears paid for him. But, you know, to see what he was able to accomplish this season, especially after that down year, and, you know, it was just really incredible, especially a record like that, how he was able to do it. it I like that he was able to get it within the 16-game season. Granted, he didn't play one game because he was out. Uh, so it was really nice to see him get that. And I, I really liked the moment where Matt Nagy, I didn't even know what was happening like during the game. I was just kind of like, what happened? Why did it stop? That Matt Nagy took a timeout and let the crowd, you know, the home crowd really let Quinn, you know, give him the celebration and the honor that he deserves. And, you know, he's such a humble guy, like you said, and it's just, it, you, you wouldn't want it to happen to a better person. He's just really so, so humble. And, you know, it, it's really great, especially seeing what he went through last year and he, he kept mm -hmm. fighting and, Especially that he's been able to do this without Khalil Mack, which I think that doesn't get enough, you know, focus as it should, right. because normally he was supposed to be brought in and he was going to be benefiting from having Khalil Mack out there. Now he's the one that's thriving without him. And you see Travis Gibson even, you know, benefiting from having Robert Quinn out there. So I just I'm really happy for the guy. And uh, even the timeout had to have some controversy around it because there's people saying that, no, Matt Nagy didn't call that timeout. Roquan Smith called the timeout. And there's video of like going to Roquan. Roquan Smith is calling a timeout. And there was a, oh, Matt Nagy didn't do it. Don't give him credit for that. Roquan Smith did. And I was just like, man, there. And listen, I'm all about, you know, moving on from Matt Nagy, but this guy just can't even catch a break. Even whenever, whenever it comes down to even calling a timeout, no one's going to give him credit for anything moving forward. Poor guy. Poor Matt Nagy. I mean, I'm going to give him the credit for it because, like, I mean, it sounded yeah. like you took credit for it. If, I don't care who called the title. Yeah. Thank you to whoever yeah. did. But, you know, you got to respect, too, how Matt Nagy's handling this entire sure. situation. Oh, yeah. He's known he was going to be fired for the last two months. And you look at someone like Mike Zimmer uh, or even further back with Urban Meyer and how they handled this. So, I mean, good, good for Matt Nagy. Just mm. let him have this one. <laughs> yeah, just give him some. On the way out, there's something. your parting gift. Yeah. There you go, Matt. See you later. Okay, yeah. John. So 
Sunday will be the last Bears game that we see for quite some time. Outside of Justin Fields, is there another player on the Bears roster that you want to get one more look at before the offseason begins? Your time starts now. I guess there's a few, but I want to be able to get one more look at some of the young tight ends like Cole Komet and Jesper Horstead, who I believe uh, he just got taken off the COVID list earlier this week. So I've had my fill of Jimmy Graham. He's a great guy, but his time with the Bears is clearly over, much like Matt Nagy's. Cole Komet, a former second-round pick, needs to get more involved so we can see if he's going to be Justin Fields' security blanket for the next six or seven years. Jesper Horstead, a guy who played his butt off just to make the team, needs a chance to prove that he should remain on the team this could be your future now it might not be but I think at some point you need to find out but I guess I'm beating the same drum I've been hitting for the last two months I don't think the current head coach cares too much about who was on the team in 2022 so we'll probably get one more Jimmy Graham game and then the next coaching staff is going to inherit that uh that task of figuring all this out whenever they come in because you know we were playing the veterans right up until the end of the year I mean, you know, like you said, you know, a lot of those young players we want to get a look at and we'll, we'll see if, you know, in his final game, because Nagy obviously is coaching like someone who will not be coaching after next Sunday. So, you know, I'd like to get a, a closer look at Thomas Graham, someone who didn't really, he didn't get the start last week. You know, you have Artie Burns out there and, you know, like Artie had a good game. Like he, he had a great game, but at the same time, he's not going to be on this team next year. And you want to see what Thomas Graham, who just finally got an opportunity to get some reps and he's still been having a really incredible three games for, you know, being as inexperienced as he was taking having uh, taken the 2020 season off. And I want to see more of him and obviously the tackles, you know, Tevin Jenkins didn't get the start because for whatever reason, you know, with Matt Nagy wanting to put Jason Peters, cause he's a hall of future hall of famer. Okay. But how does this help the team in the future? So I'm hoping that, you know, when we go out there, when the bears go out there Sunday, that we're going to see Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum. I'm trying not to get my hopes up because I don't think that's what, that's what we're going to see. But, you know, I'd like to get a look at some of those guys as well. So, I mean, but again, this is Matt Nagy. He's not going to be part of that future. So we'll see if we get them sparingly, I guess that's a win at this point. Yeah. What do you make of that whole thing that I think uh, Boomer Esiason said that Nagy had been told that he wasn't coming back and Nagy said, I'm a pretty good source and that I haven't been told anything. Like, isn't this just like the most Bears thing ever? Because it, like how many times is this going to happen where it's just like the Bears are going to fire Matt Nagy after Thanksgiving? Oh, I guess they're not. Oh, the Bears are planning on firing Matt Nagy, blah, blah, blah. And then oh, my, Matt Nagy's been told he's been fired and it's like, no, he's not. So like, is this more of an indictment on the Bears? It's just like, what the hell's going on? Oh, yeah, no, it's an absolute indictment on them. I mean, we saw back at Thanksgiving the way that the front office is handling this entire situation. I feel like we they dragged him through the last two months. It's just been, like, unbearable, you know, no pun intended, to watch the way they've handled this, especially everyone knows what the outcome is going to be. And, you know, I know Ian Rappaport had a, you know, report that they're going to begin their head coaching search after week 18. So, you know, finally, there's, there's the one source that, you know, that he's usually never wrong. So... You know, maybe the Bears haven't officially told Nagy that he's going to be gone. But you know, like, I don't know. Like, maybe it's just they haven't officially told him, but everyone knows he's going to be gone. Maybe they're waiting until Monday because, you know, the whole they want to take in all of the games and all this BS. So, I mean, at this point, we, we all, even Nagy knows he's gone. He's coaching like it. So, but the way, you know, like you said, it's just an indictment on, on the Bears front office and the organization as a whole, how they've handled this the entire year. 
I think they need a media consultant. I think that's one of the big <laughs> hires they need to make because it's just like, oh, well, we don't, like, we don't want to give any credibility to it. Oh, so being silent and let everybody else writing the narrative is the great way to go about it too. Don't get ahead of it. Just make sure everyone else runs with their own narrative to it so that you continue to look as inept as you possibly can. That's neither here nor there. That's for a whole different show. <laughs> that, that'll be next week when we get into the whole thing because I'm sure there's going to be plenty to talk about next week. Oh, and, yeah. You know, the Bears have a laundry list of, things that they need to accomplish, you know, just like next week alone. So, I mean, we're almost there, John. <laughs> almost. Almost. So it's very likely, I think it's just a given at this point, that Matt Nagy will be coaching his last game with the Chicago Bears on Sunday. After a roller coaster tenure as head coach, how will you remember the Matt Nagy era? No clock for this one. Have at it. Uh, wow. Where to start? Um I guess the only similarity I can think of is if you go to a jewelry store and you see what you think is a beautiful, expensive gold ring. You look at it and you think, wow, that's exactly what I have been missing. So you buy it and you just start flashing that thing around town. And for the first few months, you're getting compliments on it. It's shining really nice. And you're the talk of the town because of your new expensive gold ring. But after a while, six months or so, you notice that the ring... It's kind of losing its shine and uh, it's not really has doesn't really have that luster that it used to. But you still wear it around because it's a nice ring and everyone told you how much they liked it. Then further down the road, you notice the ring is really losing its shine. And when you take it off, there's an ugly green ring around your finger. And that's when it hits you. You were sold a fake. And that's how I equate this. We were sold on a revolutionary offense coming to Chicago. And in 2018, thanks in large part to a historically good defense, Matt Nagy won coach of the year. And we believe the tide was turning for the Chicago Bears. But the offense never showed up. It never really clicked. And every year we saw that shiny window of opportunity fade away. The winning window we thought was going to be open for years wasn't really open ever. It was lifted momentarily and then slammed shut. So how will I remember this era? I will remember it as a time where our hopes were sky high, but the reality was much, much lower. And now we all have green rings around our fingers. We'll be back with more Buffone 55 after this. Welcome back to Buffone 55. Now it's time to learn a little bit more about the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm going to kick it back over to John to bring out our guest. John, take it away. Thank you, Alyssa. Here to help us learn more about the Vikings and their situation is Arif Hassan, who covers the Vikings for The Athletic. Friend of the show, Arif, thank you so much for being back on Buffone 55. How you doing? 
I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing real well. Uh, we got just the the game of the week coming up here. Vikings Bears, <laughs> the one everyone's been waiting for. They must the, watch the, football for sure. The, yeah, must yeah. watch football, which is why they buried it in, at noon with all the other good games going on. But <laughs> I, I I really want to start off with this because. I don't know what the expectations were in Minnesota this year, but the last time the Bears and Vikings played, the Vikings were still very much alive in the NFC wildcard race. Uh, what happened that they kind of went into a tailspin? Obviously, there was some COVID stuff in there, but what happened with the team in general where they maybe didn't live up to expectations this year? Yeah, you know, of course you could say, hey, the Packers game, that's a result of not having Kirk Cousins because of COVID. But the only reason that game matters is because they didn't meet expectations throughout the rest of the year, right? Uh, and a big part of that, I think, has to do with the fact that um, they kind of expected somewhat of a repeat of the offensive performance they got the previous two years under very similar systems with Stefanski and Gary Kubiak. They didn't get that, but I think more importantly, they expected a kind of a defensive resurgence. I mean, 2020 was a huge outlier in Zimmer's career in terms of like how the defense has performed, what the secondary does, especially what they do against the run. Uh, and so they expected, you know, bringing in a bunch of new guys, especially veterans, people like Patrick Peterson, getting Daniil Hunter back, having Michael Pierce come back, signing Dalvin Tomlinson. They expected that defense to be a lot better uh, than it was. And it simply wasn't. And a lot of the, the people that they really were excited to kind of build that core of the defense around, Patrick Peterson, Daniil Hunter, Michael Pierce, um, and getting Anthony Barr back, None of those players played a single game together. There were injury concerns, uh, of course, COVID concerns. Um, Daniil Hunter's out for the year. They signed Everson Griffin because they couldn't get a starter at defensive end. You know, he had an unfortunate situation that, uh, you know, forced him to miss the season. So, um, which, you know, these are... Uh, these are reasons they are not really excuses in the same way. I mean, the Vikings had a very specific approach to build a top heavy roster that was filled with stars and didn't have a lot of depth. Uh, and when they were hit with the injury bug, they paid for it. So th these were a product of choices that they made. Um, but also they didn't get as much performance as they needed out of some of the players that did stick around for a while. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of reasons for why they underperformed. Um, they ended up in a bunch of close games. They couldn't close out in two minutes, you know, stuff like that. There's a ton of reasons why they underperformed, but I think like broadly they expected more from the offense, which they've had in the past. They've expected way more from the defense, which they had from the past. Uh, it's kind of funny. Special teams is kind of the only area where they did really well. <laughs> So, Arif, the Bears and Vikings look to be in similar situations heading into this finale with their head coaches. You know, we know for a while that Matt Nagy is gone, but it appears that Mike Zimmer could meet a similar fate. So what would be your argument for the Vikings to keep Zimmer and to fire him? Yeah, I think the argument for keeping Zimmer isn't that complicated. He's a 553 coach, um, and he has had six quarterbacks over the course of his career with the Vikings start for him. That is a remarkable record to have with six different quarterbacks. And those quarterbacks include, you know, Sean Mannion, Matt Castle, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, and he's won games with these quarterbacks. Like he has done a pretty good job finding ways to win with those quarterbacks. Um, he has found ways to keep the locker room in what you think would be lost seasons. He has inspired comeback seasons. Um, the 2019 season is a great one where, you know, a lot of people thought that season was lost. They ended up making the playoffs. Um, and he has done a lot, I think, with the talent at hand. And he's also been able to kind of create uh, a lot of talent out of areas that you wouldn't expect it. I mean, part of the reason that the Vikings have been so good in pass rush over the, over the years um, hasn't been because they've invested a lot of resources into uh, their pass rusher, edge rusher position, they've invested third or fourth round picks. Um, it's because they've been able to coach up those players into, into being really effective. Um, he's done a really good job kind of creating a good secondary. And a lot of the problems um, 
aren't necessarily his fault. I mean, you know, they drafted first round pick Jeff Gladney. Um, turns out, you know, he's not a good person, right? And so uh, they ended up having to cut him. It has nothing to do with Mike Zimmer, right? Um, you know, a lot of the issues that you could point to on the roster have uh, probably very little to do with with Mike Zimmer. So there is a pretty good case for for keeping Mike Zimmer. He's a winning coach. He's never had fewer than seven wins in a season. There are a lot of teams in the NFL that would love to say that over the past seven seasons. Uh, and and he's <laughs> and he's made the playoffs, you know, a couple of times. And you know that's 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 hard to buy, right? And and the biggest argument I think is even if you're concerned that Mike Zimmer can't get over the hump and and win multiple playoff games. Uh, you are more likely to get worse. There are more worse coaches in the NFL than you are to get better by firing him. So that's the argument for keeping him. Uh, the argument for firing him is is actually kind of along the same lines, which is, you know, the goal isn't to be good. It's to be great. The goal is to win the Super Bowl, right? And so finding ways into the playoffs is nice, but if you can't get over the hump, you can't get over the hump. And so you have to take a risk um, at, at being bad. You have to absorb the risk of being bad in order to take on the reward of being great. You know, you have to take a shot. Um, and so I think that's part of it. I think part of it's also that when Mike Zimmer finally had the pieces that he wanted in place, um, you know, 2019, 2020, 2021, you know, he couldn't get it done. You know, he had the offense he wanted. He had the coordinators he wanted. He had um, the running back and, you know, the offensive line finally performed a lot better uh, and he couldn't stop meddling in the offense. Uh, he couldn't figure out a way to get that defense to work. I mean, he is very confident about his ability to coach defenses. And I think that kind of bit him at the end. It ended up being uh, overconfidence. I mean, last year he said, I've never had a bad defense right before the season. All the beat reporters were asking, hey, you have seven new starters on defense. A lot of these guys are rookies. Are you worried that your defense is going to fall off in the, in the 2020 season? He's like, I've never had a bad defense. It was a bad defense and it was pretty easy to see coming. And it's his job to be able to see that coming and adjust. Uh, and so um, it, the, I think for him, you know, it's, it's probably time's up, right? He used to be a 600 coach. That was his defense in 2019 where people were asking about his job. Now he's a 553 coach. You know, he's missed the playoffs for consecutive years. We know that this is a talented roster. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins has a lot of issues at quarterback. I'm not sure that, you know, he's, he's ever going to be a great quarterback. It's, it's kind of too late for him to develop into one of those, but he's a good quarterback. And if you've got a good quarterback and you've got a good defense, you should be consistently making the playoffs and you're not. Uh, and so I think that's the argument for getting rid of Mike Zimmer. And I think that argument, though simpler, is stronger. I, I think it makes more sense to to move on as as tough as that is, because I personally, I like Zimmer a lot. Uh, that brings up the comparison between the two situations the Bears are dealing with right now, where fans are <laughs> fan from a fan point of view, they're torn on what kind of coach needs to come into Chicago. Because uh, do you want a players coach wherever where you're rah, rah, you see Matt Nagy supposed to be this revolutionary guy, but and sometimes lacks that leadership persona that you'd like to see out of a head coach. Uh, but others say you need a guru in there to, to take Justin Fields to the next level. Uh, if the Vikings find themselves with a coaching vacancy, what route do you think they go? Do they try to say they can squeeze as much production out of Kirk Cousins as possible with a new offensive guy? Or do they go with what has kind of been working? I don't want to say working, but at least, you know, given them uh, some respect in the league with that strong defensive presence. Yeah. I think Vikings fans are 
fairly uniform and kind of wanting an offensively minded head coach. I mean, you know, prior to Zimmer, they had a defensive minded head coach and Leslie Fraser. And prior to that, they had kind of a figurehead in Brad Childress while Brett Favre ran the offense. It wasn't really, you know, it, it's the same kind of offensive coach that you typically get. And so I think, you know, the appeal of having a guru, especially knowing that Kevin Stefanski was in the building and walked away, um, I think is really strong for Vikings fans. You know, I don't know if that's necessarily the right move. I, I think that we, we vastly overestimate our ability to to figure out how good a coach is going to be before they come into the building. Uh, and so I, I usually am just like, you know, if they're a good leader, which is something I'll never, you know, get to know, that's 90% of it. Right. Uh, and so uh, I, I don't know what the background should be. I don't, I think it's easy to overstate it. You know, we've seen coaches from every background succeed. Mike Tomlin, defensive guy, John Harbaugh, special teams guy, Belichick, defensive guy, uh, Sean McVay, offensive guy, Kyle Shanahan, offensive guy. Like we know, that any background can win the Super Bowl, right? The issue is you need to find somebody um, who's got uh, a good leadership, uh, a good leadership qualities, and not just you know the ability to inspire people. Obviously, that's important, but the ability to identify talent, delegate responsibilities, uh, be open to new ideas, learn new things. That doesn't mean being an analytics whiz kid, but of course, it means being open to kind of the information that you're hearing from a bunch of different sources and incorporating it. And of course, the reason you're a head coach is because you're qualified and competent, and so incorporating it into your worldview filtering it through what you know about football and kind of putting that out on the field. And so you need to first have people buy into you. That's the first most important part of leadership, but all those other things matter more and getting an offensive guy or getting a defensive guy or getting a special teams guy or whatever. That's not important to me. I know for fans, they, they do want to see something else. And I know that, you know, typically speaking offenses, um, are more important in the NFL than defenses. And, and you can kind of keep a good offense around if you've got an offensive head coach. Much harder with a defensive head coach. That's what's happened to the Vikings. You know, they've either had to fire guys like Filippo, or they've had, you know, guys leave like Stefanski, right? And so, um, or, or Pat Shermer or, or Gary Kubiak, right? And so um, having a defensive guy creates problems, but if you've got a plan in place for how you're going to develop that offense and develop your coaches, that's less of an issue for me. But I, I do know that Vikings fans want an analytically, generally speaking, want an analytically minded coach, want an offensive minded coach, take advantage of young players like Justin Jefferson, take advantage of the fact that the offensive line is finally, for the first time in seemingly a decade, Decade, turning it around maybe uh and and taking advantage of the fact that maybe you don't have Kirk Cousins long term but you still got Kirk Cousins at least for this next year maybe you could do something with that so I, I think that that's the direction the fan base wants to go in and a since it looks like both the Bears and the Vikings are going to have head coaching vacancies I was wondering who do you think is the most attractive destination for any potential head coaching candidates uh this offseason Minnesota or Chicago that's a really good question. I think you can make a good argument for either of them. I think that uh, if if you're a head coach that wants, you know, their fingerprints all over the organization, wants to take credit for for a bunch of the stuff that's been happening, I would probably pick the Bears, even though you don't get to pick your quarterback. And the reason for that is because the quarterbacks in this draft are not good. Uh, you know, according to draft analysts, like I could be very wrong about this. The draft analysts could be wrong, but our understanding of the draft right now is that this is not a great quarterback class. Uh, and, and Justin Fields to me personally, I thought he was the second best prospect in that draft. Obviously he has not played very well as a rookie, um, worse than I expected, but there's so much good stuff in there 
that if you can quicken up his process and if you're a coach who's confident that you know how to get him to be faster in his reads and faster in his process, um, you've got a good quarterback with good tools, right? Um, obviously, you're going to need to to add somebody to help with Darnell Mooney. Um, I, I thought the Bears' offensive line at the beginning of the season was was beginning to turn it around. You know, maybe that's not quite the case. I don't know, but you know, bringing in um, some of the guys that can kind of help build that, right? I, I think that there's something there where if you turn that offense into something successful, the coach can take ownership of that. And so I think that that's something that that, that would be very appealing. And then, of course, there's all kinds of defensive pieces, right? And so um, you, you immediately have um, the pieces in place to complement that quarterback. So you don't necessarily have to ask them to do too much until you do, right? Which is an ideal scenario for someone, I think, like for, for Justin Fields. Um, I think if you're a coach that is committed to reloading instead of rebuilding, you know, as much as like these terms are kind of vague, um, I think the Vikings are maybe a better option. You've got a bridge quarterback in Kirk Cousins. You don't necessarily have to draft a guy this year. Um, you've got the ability to maybe develop Kellen Mond. Um, you've got, again, defensive pieces, but there are a ton of, cap questions that you have to deal with with the Vikings that are not as stringent as they are with the Bears, right? I think the the $45 million cap hit for Cousins is difficult to work around. The fact that Michael Pierce's contract told because of the opt-out, you know, means that that's a difficult contract to work around. You've got, like I said, a very top-heavy roster. And so if you're a coach committed to taking those stars and trying to build something with them, I think the Vikings are more attractive. Um, I think if you're a coach that's a little bit more committed to – a slightly longer process and having a little bit more security in the job and having ownership over what's happening with the team. I think the Bears are a little bit more attractive, but I think a good case could be made for either. Well, they'll probably build a statue for the first 4,000 yard thrower in Chicago Bears history. So if the, if a coach can bring that in, he will be a god in Chicago. But we're as, as as we're talking about quarterbacks, I was a big Kellen Mond guy during the draft. For you know, I I thought the Bears might go out and get him in the second or third round, not knowing they're going to move up and get Justin Fields, obviously. But I really liked Kellen Mond, and it seems like Mike Zimmer doesn't. And so, can you can you can you clear <laughs> clear some of that out about why uh, Kellen Mond isn't at least getting some reps in a game that really has no meaning other than you kind of might want to lose this game because you get the easier schedule next year if you get because <laughs> if you because the Bears invite the winner of this technically gets I think second place in the division and then you get a second place schedule next year. Maybe you'd rather get that third place schedule. That's but I digress. Why isn't Kellen Mond playing? Uh, yeah. So one Zimmer is very committed to this ethos of, of winning. The only time that, uh, that he didn't choose to, to win a meaningless game was when he played Sean Manning against the bears in week 17, two years ago in 2019, um, which that game was weirdly close anyway. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, I, I think that he, so his, his mindset, I think right now, so he has not been informed as of yet, as far as I know that he's being let go. I know that the ownership is meeting. Um, I think today or tomorrow, actually, about kind of the direction that the team will take. And so maybe they'll inform him then if that he's going to be let go. But for now, um, he is coaching with the understanding that he is under contract and that he's going to be around next year, which that's kind of the only way you can take it, I think. So I, I think that he wants to to finish the year with the win and establish a culture of fighting because that was kind of a consistent theme that he had throughout the years that he was proud of the team for consistently fighting. And, you know, for all of the problems that the team had, they did do that until the Rams game. I think that for the most part, they did a really good job of getting into close games and fighting it out in close games, you know, made a fumble here or there, missed field goal, whatever. Um, but, you know, the, the team had 14 close games this year. That's an NFL record. It's tied for the most in the in NFL history with uh, the 15 Ravens, and the 94 Giants. It's nuts. Uh, and, and, and he's right. And so I think that that's kind of who he is, is that he would much rather attempt to go out on a win if there's nothing on the line. 
Um, so that's, I think, part of it. I think in terms of the Kellen Mond question, um, boy, we, he was not good uh, in training camp in preseason. I don't think that's not really a great way for me to, to sugarcoat it. He was particularly bad. And I don't think that that's an indictment of him. He's a third round rookie quarterback and, and a quarterback in particular, um, those, those talents get pushed up the board. If you're, if you've got a good shot of being a starter, you tend to go in the first round or the top of the second. And so, um, a third round guard or a third round linebacker, that's different than a third round quarterback is that you're, you're significantly further behind your peers at quarterback in the third round than at other positions because it's such a valuable position. So, um, I, that's not an indictment to me. I just don't think that he's ready this year. You know, um, one constant theme that we heard from Clint Kubiak from, uh, from Mike Zimmer is that, Mond just uh, doesn't have the timing down. He, his tempo is off. He's too slow. A little bit, actually, like Justin Fields without all of the other stuff that Justin Fields brings. I think that Mond um, is not as good at reading defenses, for example. And as an athlete, Justin Fields is much more dynamic. Mond is a very good straight-line runner, but you know he doesn't scramble very well. He's not really agile in the same way. He's much more of a sprinter. Um, he's got a very strong arm, but he doesn't take deep shots. Um, he likes challenging tight windows, but it's very intermediate. And, and short. And so there are a lot of habits that you kind of want to coach out of him or harness to his maximum ability, like either take advantage of the best aspects of his habits or coach him into a new series of habits that you need him to go through. So I think he is a fairly significant project because when things are working for him, he's accurate. He does do a fairly decent job of reading defenses. Occasionally he'll, you know, showcase a high level quarterback capability, like looking off of a safety or finding, you know, the cornerback leverage to throw into and stuff like that. But yeah, he had three snaps against the Packers, and two of them were, you know, these super short completions, fine, whatever. It's not like Sean Mannion was doing any better. Um, and the third was a pick six that Chris Barnes happened to drop. Uh, and that's the sample we have. One of those was a pick six. Like, he, he's just not ready. And so when Zimmer said, or when, I think it was Courtney Cronin or, or somebody in, in the media room asked, hey, do you want to at least see what you have in Kellen Mond? He goes, no, I see him every day. <laughs> I mean, that's... That's probably it. And then also, like, on top of that, Sean Mannion has been practicing with the twos and occasionally with the ones. Mon has been practicing with the scout team. And that's just a completely different question in regards to development because he does not get to practice the offense. He gets to mimic someone else's offense. And as fun as it is to pretend to be Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson for a day, that doesn't really teach you your reads. Like, that doesn't tell you where to throw when Justin Jefferson's running a dig. So that, that there's a lot of reasons that Kellen Mond isn't playing. Um, personally, I would love to see a bunch of young players, uh, you know, play this, this game against the bears. It would be fun. I think for fans to kind of see where these players are at in their development curve. I think it's generally valuable to, to throw people into the fire. I know that there's always a concern of, of shell shock and putting in bad habits. And I think that that is genuinely a case that's happened with a lot of quarterbacks and, and, and other positions, but I think generally speaking, it's valuable. Um, and I think it would be good, but there's no, there's no reason for Mike Zimmer to, showcase someone else's talent, right? Like if he is getting fired, why is he trying to develop someone else's players, right? And if he's not getting fired, it is really important to kind of establish a culture of constantly fighting and try trying to win. So I think that's kind of the question is that his incentives aren't really aligned with, at the moment, with finding ways to get some of those young, exciting, dynamic players, uh, you know, onto the field. Just like Matt Nagy, you know, that's what, yeah. that's what we've been seeing the last few games. Uh, to kind of transition over to Kirk Cousins, 
you know, Kirk Cousins, he's someone that gets a lot of flack in the NFL, you know, and, you know, he's actually been pretty solid. I know that, you know, for a while, Bearsons would have probably loved to have that kind of quarterback play. So I was just curious, what is the, like, how is Cousins regarded in Minnesota? Does he receive as much flack from fans there as he does in the media? Or is that just something that, you know, we're seeing from the outside? Um, I mean, he's he's polarizing. So uh, there is a fair amount of flack that he gets from fans, a fair amount of flack that he gets from local media. Um, you know, he it's frustrating, right? Because you can see when he's good or when he's on. He'll string together 10 completions in a row. He'll have two touchdown drives and he'll throw these absolute darts, tight windows. Sometimes it's easy to forget that he has a fair amount of arm strength because, you know, you don't always see it put on display. But, you know, when he's, uh, you know, rolling out on play action, throwing deep, and he's hitting kind of Justin Jefferson exactly in the hands, you know, it's it's tough to find a quarterback that can do that as consistently as Cousins does. And so there there are obviously elements to his play that are really good. It's, it's very difficult to be, you know, consistently top 10 in most quarterback metrics and be a bad quarterback, right? And so he's a good quarterback. The issue, um, I think, is that um, there, there's a narrative that's been kind of building up around Cousins that normally I don't really love because I think it's so contextual, but I think here it does apply, which is that Cousins has struggles winning in, in, in high leverage situations or clutch situations, right? And normally, you know, I think that that's variance, right? They used to say that about Aaron Rodgers, and now he's like the clutchest quarterback on the planet, right? So, like, there's only so much you can say about, you know, is a guy good or not in the clutch? I think the same thing followed Drew Brees before 2009. The same thing followed Peyton Manning for a while. Like, these things kind of just pop up and disappear because it's kind of somewhat random. But for Cousins, it's been very consistent over a very long period of time. And you and I, I actually I've got an article coming out uh, pretty soon at the Athletic about this very question about Cousins's approach to quarterback play and why it makes it difficult for him to be so effective in high leverage situations, whether that's third and long or whether that's uh, you know the two minute drill when it's when you're trailing and you have to score quickly when you're leading and you have to get first downs. And I think the issue for him is that he knows how to play quarterback really really well for eighty five percent of situations. But as soon as your goals change, his understanding of how to play doesn't. And so knowing that you have to throw to the sideline now more often, that's not something he does as often in two-minute situations. Knowing that you've got to throw to the six, sticks on, on third and seven, he doesn't do that as often. So um, that's kind of the issue is that you've got a quarterback that is good, right? And and if you're good for 85% of the game, you're going to win a lot of games. But if you're not good for a, a more important 15% of the game, you're going to lose a lot of games. And so he's a career 500 quarterback, despite having a good supporting cast. I hate judging quarterbacks by wins, but when you've got a, a career this long and it's been so difficult to get above 500, there might be something there. And I think upon further investigation, there is. And that's what's so frustrating for fans is that he puts the team in situations to win and then they win. But when the team puts him in a situation where he needs to win, they don't. Uh, and so it's very easy for that to develop into a polarizing situation because a lot of the narratives about cousins aren't true. He's a really good deep ball passer. You know, he's really good in, um, in, in tight window throws. He can be really aggressive when he needs to and stuff like that. And so it's easy to say, well, this set of narratives aren't actually true about him, but this set of narratives might be. And so that's, that's the issue is that um, he is frustrating because he can be so good and then fall short. And so that's kind of the perception around him. You know, we, we talk about Zimmer, we talk about Cousins, and those are the guys that are taking a lot of the spotlight in the media. But I do want to ask you about the GM, Rick Spillman. Do you think he 
is in limbo at all? And what has been the uh, grade on his job throughout his tenure with Minnesota? Because uh, I haven't heard a lot of rumblings about the GM position per se, uh, but is that something that maybe down the road a year from now that, or even this offseason could be uh, something that gets addressed? Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of surprised because I've been kind of like a lot of people talk about Mike Zimmer. Not very many people talk about Rick Spielman, at least nationally. But locally, it is a it is a topic of discussion. Uh, and, uh, you know, the contracts with Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman have been tied together when they when they initially extended Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. The Wilfs made sure that the contract lengths were such that they ended at the same time. And then when they extended them again, they did the same thing, very strongly indicating that the two were tied at the hip. Uh, you know, it's very rare for a general manager to hire a third coach. Uh, and, and that would be the case here for Spielman if, if Zimmer goes and Spielman stays. Uh, and so uh, it is, uh, it is a, a, a topic of discussion. It's not as hot a topic because Mike Zimmer's in the public eye every day. Coaches on the sideline, you don't see the general managers often. But um, that is something that they're talking about. And for a while, it was kind of generally understood that if Zimmer goes, Spielman goes. Now, there's been a little bit more steam locally that Spielman might stay another year or even longer. Um, they might kind of reshift his role in some capacity. Uh, my colleague Chad Graff at The Athletic wrote about this um, to kind of like a John Elway sort of role where he gets paid more, but he does less. Nice, cushy job I would like to have. Um, but then someone handles the day-to-day -day operations instead. Or, you know, he could be gone or whatever. It's tough because Spielman... When you say, hey, Zimmer's underperformed because they have such a talented roster, well, why do they have a talented roster? I mean, someone brought these guys into the building, right? Spielman is kind of that guy. Now, Zimmer plays a huge role in this, so it's really hard to figure out kind of what is who and, and, and all that. But, you know, they brought in a lot of talented players, but Spielman has just made a lot of mistakes, whether it's in free agency or trading for players um, or what have you. If you only take a look at you know, the draft, I think uh, the most recent study I saw on on how uh, GMs have done in the draft was between 2015 and 2019, Minnesota was like the second best team at drafting. And it, it just so happens to include a, a remarkable 2015 class. So that kind of boosts things a little bit. But, you know, 2020, you know, wasn't wasn't a very good class at all. 2021 is not shaping up to be a particularly remarkable class, although you can't really judge a, a draft class this soon. It's notable that they needed those guys to be depth and they couldn't be available as depth. Uh, and so uh, it is tough to evaluate Spielman. I would say on the whole, he's done a better job than he hasn't, but his mistakes in free agency and his mistakes um, on the player trade market, like on the draft pick market, he's been great as, as someone who trades, but on the player trade market, you know, he has made some really catastrophic errors. Uh, and so I think that that's all going to play a role in terms of whether or not they're going to keep him moving forward or whether or not he's going to be involved in the next head coaching search or what have you. Um, and, and it's also, there's just a good argument to be made that actually part of the reason that they're so talented is because Zimmer's coached them so well, right? That's like a, that's a big part of it too. So it's, it's really difficult to kind of figure out, you know, who's good for what reason and, and whatnot. But I think a lot of fans are at least sick of Rick Spielman. Um, and I know that, that there's been a lot of discussions about his job security. It's, it's crazy. I feel like the Bears and Vikings are a lot similar, like more similar than I imagined at this Certainly. point. Like, yeah. like John and I are just like nodding. I'm like, oh my God. They oh, you mean a GM, doesn't, a GM doesn't hire three coaches? Whoa, oh, really? <laughs> Looks like that's about to happen for us. Hmm. That's strange. So okay. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Like the Vikings are going to probably, you know, do the right thing and get rid, get rid of both of them. The Bears are going to bring back Pace, and then here we go again. So promote, they're um, promoting Pace. <laughs> they're going to promote him. Can yeah, that's the thing. They're going to promote him. He's John Elway without any of the talent. 
<laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, we, we were talking about this last night. It's like, what other industry in the world can you fail? And they say, you know what? The best course of action yeah. is yep. for us to promote you. The best yeah. thing we can do right now is give you more money and a better title because you screwed this up. So <laughs> there's what other industry in the world can you do that? I, I, I just don't know. It's beautiful. Well, I mean, I would... I would love to have the the payment versus track record of someone like a Jack Easterby, right? Like, oh yeah, <laughs> that would be. I would love that kind of job security, dealing money. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hashtag poverty franchise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a reef. I mean, the Bears and the Vikings are both heading into the off season. So I was curious for the Vikings. What do you? Who do you think are the strongest position groups, and what do you think is the weakest in terms of what needs to be addressed this off season? Yeah, well, the Vikings have a really difficult free agency period coming up. And so how they handle that is going to interact a lot with that question. Um, so all three of the cornerbacks, for example, are hitting free agency. Right? I should, I, I, actually, Bashad Breland's no longer on the roster. I, I used to say that a lot. Now Breland's no longer on the roster. That doesn't solve anything, but uh, it does. It does, you know, solidify the fact that the cornerback is need. You know, I don't know if Patrick Peterson's coming back. He's a fairly expensive player. He played, you know, the best uh, season of the past three years for him. So he might want to consider uh, returning, but maybe he attributes that to Mike Zimmer. If Mike Zimmer's not back, he wouldn't return. So a lot of complicated questions here. Mackenzie Alexander, the slot corner is probably gone, uh, and so you absolutely need to find a way to get a corner because maybe maybe Cameron Dancer, you know, returns to the conversation as a starting quality corner. Uh, and if that's so, you only need two starting cornerbacks, which it seems like a pretty difficult position to fill. Um, so that's part of it. They're losing Anthony Barr for sure. So that's a that's a starting linebacker that they need. Um, and he was kind of an essential element to how Zimmer schemed up that defense. And so you, you kind of just need a new defense without Anthony Barr or a similar player, right? There's not so many Anthony Barrs or, you know, Micah Parsons is in, in drafts, right? And so um, linebacker is going to be an area of concern. Xavier Woods is hitting free agency. So, you know, they either have to evaluate whether or not Cameron Bynum can step in. You know, I think he can, but what do I know um, as a starting safety? So, I mean, there's a lot of areas, right? Um, they're returning both defensive tackles. They're getting to Neil Hunter, but they need a starting edge rusher next to him. Offensively, they need to figure out center. Um, you know, Garrett Bradbury had two pretty good games, and that was kind of it. Um, after he got benched and came back, but it's very clear that he's not going to be with the organization for very long. I think you probably need another guard. Um, so that those are the areas they need to address just those areas, not very many, of course. <laughs> um, and then of course, long-term, you know, maybe quarterback, right? That's, that's kind of a, uh, a low stakes discussion, right? You don't have to, you don't have to worry yourself too much, right? But they have to figure out quarterback as well. Um, the areas of strength, uh, Definitely include wide receiver, even though Adam Thielen is getting up there in age. It actually looks like KJ Osborne, the third receiver, could be a, a fairly good wide receiver, too. And certainly they will want to invest more in that position. But it is an area of strength. Running back is certainly an area of strength. I don't know if they'll be able to keep Alexander Madison long term, but Kenny Wong is looking like a talented player. And having them behind Dalvin Cook is great. Um, tackle is turning into an area I wouldn't. I, I don't know if I'd call it a strength yet because we don't know if Christian Derrissaw is good, but an area that you don't need to address right away for sure. Um, and so that's a, a, a good first time in a long time for the Vikings that both both tackle positions are at least set. Um, and then uh, on the back end, uh, you know, I said, hey, they need an edge rusher, but that's because they need to pair someone with one of the best young edge rushers in the NFL and Daniel Hunter. So that's that's a nice area to, to have. That's nice to build around. You've got Eric Hendricks. You've got. Harrison Smith. So you've got somebody at all three levels of the defense that you can really count on to be a rock and be a leader um, in, in that locker room. So those are the areas that they can kind of draw upon as they kind of fill out the rest of this roster. But 
the the free agency stuff is gonna is gonna be a big part of their ability to answer these questions because if they can re-sign some of these guys, it's going to be a lot easier to approach free agency in the draft. Uh, Arif, before we get you out of here, I'm going to commit a radio felony by asking you a two-part question in which neither neither part have anything to do with each other. Perfect. Uh, the two-part would be, uh, I want to ask you a question that was in the chat room. What is your grade or report on Clint Kubiak? And then my completely opposite question to follow that up with, do you think the Vikings are more in a retool or rebuild mode? And do you think what Aaron Rodgers does in Green Bay has any effect on that? Because I've said if Aaron Rodgers is no longer in Green Bay and it's the Jordan Love show, maybe the Bears are more inclined to retool and take a shot at a, at a weak division. But we'll start with Clint Kubiak. Yeah, sure. So uh, Clint Kubiak, I would give a B minus. I think that his biggest critics are too rough on him. I think he does a good job of designing game plans that mitigate uh, opponents' uh, strengths uh, on defense. He does a really good job of, you know, knowing, hey, this guy's got a good pass rusher. We're going to get rid of the ball quickly. He knows how to design rock concepts and marry them with, uh, you know, what, what Kirk Cousins does well and what that offensive game plan needs. But, you know, he does a poor job of adapting to situations, much like the quarterback that he's coaching. And uh, he doesn't really evolve the game plan over the course of the game. And so the offense drops off in effectiveness really dramatically heading into the second half. I mean, the Vikings for a while um, were the only team in the league that had a six point lead in every single game they played, which is like weird considering the record they ended up with, but they, they maintain that all the way up until like week 15 nuts. Right. And in order to do that, you have to score points. And that's what they were doing, especially in, in, in the opening script. And so that, that's a, that's a credit, I think to Clint Kubiak, but um the the offense has struggled in ways that he hasn't been able to adjust to, even though the talent was there. I think that his performance against Green Bay, even though Sean Mannion's your quarterback, I get it. I think his performance against Green Bay was honestly abysmal. Uh, I think that not being able to adapt to the fact that you don't have your starting quarterback is not a sin, but it is something to kind of consider when evaluating how good an offensive coordinator is. And I think that just kind of having a handle on situational football, having a handle on how opponents are adapting to what you're doing, um, and understanding kind of what you're good at as opposed to what they're good at um, and focusing on what you're good at. Those are areas where he, where he just didn't do enough. Um, I know that there are a lot of fans with a lot more criticisms of him. They say that the offense was throwing too short. It used to be explosive, and that's true. I think it's actually more of a Kirk Cousins thing than it is a, a Kubiak thing, but there is something to be said about that. But yeah, as to the other question about whether or not to retool or rebuild, um, I think that the Aaron Rodgers decision should inform what you do, but I think that the Vikings roster is very much in a in a position where you have to make a hard decision. Uh, and, and either you shed all these really expensive contracts and rebuild, right? Uh, or um, you work a way around uh, a quarterback with a $45 million cap hit, maybe maybe extend Kirk Cousins again, which would make fans riot, right? But it's yeah. it's 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 uh it's the only way to get under the cap if you're gonna retool, right? So um that's that's part of the uh that that's part of it is that because the Vikings are I think like negative three million projected into next year, plus all of those guys hitting free agency that don't even count towards that cap calculation I just mentioned, you have to make a hard decision and and that hard decision um involves Kirk Cousins. If you somehow have the ability to trade him, maybe give him a $10 million signing bonus so that you take on $10 million and then the other team takes $35 million, maybe you could trade him for a second round pick or something like that. Maybe a first, but you know, uh, but uh, <laughs> if, you, if you could trade him and then, then you've got a really good opportunity to rebuild. But 
Um, otherwise, you have a $45 million quarterback on your roster. You've got a bunch of really high-value guys that want to win that have been in the NFL for a long time, and they're not there for a rebuild. And so I, I you have to just make a hard decision and say, all right, we're retooling. Um, we're figuring out those last couple of positions in the offensive line. We're going to let Zimmer or whoever handle this defense um, that's got a lot of talented players. It just needs a little bit of coaching on the depth. Uh, and uh, and we're going to extend Cousins and, and use that cap space. So um, you have to make a hard decision. Personally, sorry about that. Personally, I think the Vikings are better off rebuilding. Um, I think the Wilfs don't really like that idea generally. And so I think that they might steer themselves towards a coach that might like retooling. So that's that's kind of my thoughts on that. It's going to be a very interesting offseason in the NFC North across the board. Every team has really interesting storylines. I I can't wait to see how all of this shakes out. So, Arif, before we cut you loose, please let our listeners and our viewers let let them know how they can read your stuff, how they can connect with you, because a lot of people want to know what's going on in the NFC North, regardless of records, regardless of the time of the year. You know thy enemy. So uh, how (laughs) how can they read your stuff? Yeah. Oh man. It's the first time in my life. I might've wished I could cover the lions, right? <laughs> you can find me uh, at Arif Hassan NFL, A-R-I-F-H-A-S-A-N NFL. Uh, that's on Twitter. I'm not really on other socials. So you'll have to find me on Twitter where I fight with people um, or you can find me on the athletic, uh, the athletic.com slash author slash Arif dash Hassan. Excellent stuff. Arif. We always appreciate having you on Buffon 55. Great insight. We know a lot more about the Vikings. We're not so different, you and I. So, <laughs> so we'll look forward to uh, kind of going through the journey of the offseason and seeing how it all shakes out. But thank you so much for being on the show. We'll talk to you down the road. Thanks for having me. We'll be back with more Buffon 55 right after this. Welcome back to Buffon 55. It's time to go down into Buffon's basement. That's where Alyssa and I open up the door, walk down the stairs, and we see Aldo passed out with his favorite episode of the Golden Girls on, which we're all we're all watching this week because of the tragic passing of Betty White. But just living uh, living living in the past a little bit. Aldo, how you doing? I'm doing well. Great interview with Arif and uh, an excellent start to show with your rants. Good stuff really drew some parallels with what you know some teams are just you, you think that the bears are just you know i can't believe they dug themselves into this situation what are they going to do all these different things going on the vikings are talking about maybe keeping a gm around and hiring a third coach not sure if what they're going to do as far as a new head coach quarterback woes where you talk about mike zimmer has had six different quarterbacks to work with it's it's really interesting how some of these teams face the same thing but also 
there are also teams that haven't won anything. So some of these things are are, are <laughs> cyclical. What do you take away from that, Aldo? The Vikings are kind of facing some of the same issues. And would you rather be the Vikings right now or would you rather be the Bears? Because it sounds like the Vikings cap situation is even worse than the Bears is. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a good question. I, I think that the Vikings, I, I'm a fan of, of Rich Spielman. I think he's drafted well. He's had some misses, but uh, I like his approach to building a roster. And uh, he just hasn't gotten lucky with the quarterback position. I, he drafted Teddy Bridgewater, and Bridgewater was on his way to having a solid NFL career. And then he blew out his knee in practice on a non-contact play. He just planted it, and the mm. thing blew up like if he, it was bombed. And so it's just a freaky thing. And so then they had to uh, trade for Sam Bradford where they lost some draft capital. So they were, they were forced into uh, making some abrupt changes that I really think hurt their development. But they have found talent in so many different places. I mean, Daniel Hunter is a premier pass rusher. And so when I said if you know about rebuild or a retool, uh, if they were to drop Daniel Hunter to save the twenty-two million dollars he's going to make next season, I would say, yeah, let's figure out a way to get this guy aboard because he's entering the prime of his career. But yeah, uh, it is it is funny that you know I think the 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 uh, the shadow of the Green Bay Packers has really had a big impact on the other three NFC North teams. And, uh, and, and unfortunately the Vikings and the bears are in the same boat, boat, very similar record fighting for second place this Sunday. And so uh, uh, I hope, you know, I, I hope that somehow, some way we become better than the Vikings right away in 2022 and then set our sights on the, on the Packers. And to your point, Aldo, they did put together a team that went to the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum. Mm -hmm. uh, so that shows a lot about the supporting cast and shows that, you know, you can you can get pretty far if you put together a great roster and you have an OK <laughs> quarterback. Uh, but I, I look at the I think that's kind of where the parallels might stop with the Bears and the Vikings, because the Bears didn't have that roster that could overcome the quarterback. And so mm -hmm. I saw I saw a great comparison today. Would you rather it was talking about the GM? Would you rather have a good head coach and a good quarterback and then really bad draft picks through rounds four or five and six? Or would you rather rather have really good draft picks in rounds four or five and six, but have just real bad trouble at quarterback and head coach? Which one would you rather have? Well, if you're asking me, I would love to have those really good mid-round draft picks because they're cheaper on the salary cap. And Other than a head coach and a quarterback? Well, oh, well. Uh, I'll no. take the head coach and the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that, I'm drawing. I'm draw because that, that, that's the that's the thing out on Ryan Pace is, well, guys, look at what he does in rounds four or five and six. I'm like, well, look at he does at head coach and quarterback. So, like, the, the, so there's – big problems there that you, you can yeah if you were if he was if his job was gm of rounds four five six and seven i'd be great i'd be fine with that Dude, that's all you ryan pace but uh there's been some issues with the biggest parts of the organization so i i think that that is an indictment of where the bears need to go but it seems like it's a coin flip now and and we we assume matt neggy's gone but now if right and which I'm, I'm rambling now because I'm a little ticked it. off. But Alyssa, <laughs> they're not bringing Nagy, they're not bringing Nagy back. But okay, well, I was like, if, don't put that idea if, in the universe, please. If Ryan Pace is coming <laughs> coming back, 
If they intend on bringing Ryan Pace back, then why did they keep Nagy around? Because Ryan Pace could have started the search for the new head coach two weeks ago when they were allowed to start interviewing people. If they thought they were going to bring Ryan Pace back, why was Matt Nagy there for the last two weeks? Because that was the whole thing. I thought they weren't firing Nagy now because they were going to clear house and they had to go get a new GM before they hired the new head coach. So it kind of made sense to wait until the end of the year because you're going to fire Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy at the same time. But if they keep Ryan Pace, then what the hell was Nagy doing here in weeks 16, 17, 18? There's just no logic with this organization. I think that's the one thing we can take away from this because that's what we talked about for a few weeks was that the fact that Nagy was still around, it was more, huh, maybe they're also rethinking pace, right? Or at least moving him. Cause that seems to be, that's what everyone's like guessing at this point. It's that maybe he's out as GM, but he's getting a promotion. There you go. (laughs) I I mean, it's just makes only on the bears or maybe a couple other property franchises, but I mean, yeah, that would make the most sense. Cause I mean, we know Nagy's gone, but you know, it just like you said, it seems like a coin flip at this point, but you have more people that are leading more towards pace being kept on. And it's always in some fashion, right? So it might not be as GM, but then you're going to put them in charge of football operations, which is like, oh, okay. So, or maybe they're just waiting until the last day and they want to, because you know, George McCaskey loves him some Ryan Pace. So maybe he's trying not to, you know, let that leak and just do it on the last day. One can hope. But, I mean, he needs to start being held accountable for some of these things. You know, like you brought up the two different scenarios. I mean, the quarterback and the head coach, that's that's, that's been a big issue. And like we were talking about with Arif, you know, how often do you have a GM that gets to hire three head coaches where it feels like we're about to find out with Ryan Pace. So, I so basically, I have no idea what this organization is doing. So, I mean, that, that's where I stand. <laughs> I heard a good discussion on this topic on uh, local sports radio here in Chicago, and uh, there was speculation that it's because the Bears want to be considered a classy organization, and so therefore they won't fire a coach with a couple of games left, and that the whole thing about searching for a coach with two weeks to go in the season has been overblown in terms of its uh, usefulness. Uh, you look at uh, uh, there's really been only one team that has done that for that reason. I mean, the Gruden was fired w- weeks ago for an, another reason. And so uh, that could be it. But as we all know, you, you know, sometimes you got to be the bad guy. And so, uh, Matt, thank you very much. you got a handsome check waiting for you on the way out, and uh, we're going to start our search for the next. There's nothing wrong with that. And if, indeed, the Bears are just trying to be really nice people and, and, and want people to, to believe that they're a classy organization, that sometimes is just not good business. It's not good business. And, uh, and so, you know, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it really sickens me that if that's the case, that that would be the excuse. We'll see if the media asked that question on, on Black Monday or Black Tuesday, whenever it's going to happen. And uh, I'd be interested to see what the response is. Yeah. And if they are doing that, like, I think we made the, the, comparison yesterday because i always say the bears are run like a family diner it's like the guy who just keeps burning everything he's the line cook and he cannot get it together he cannot cook anything so to punish him they make him the manager so it sounds like that sounds like that's what they're gonna do with, with, with ryan pace and so i don't i don't buy this you have to show that you're a classy situation a classy organization he's getting paid regardless like he he gets his money he gets and he gets to he gets to go on vacation a little bit earlier. 
So I, I'm tired of, you know, oh, we got to have this. We got we to gotta appear to be this. You know what gets you respect in the league? Winning. Mm-hmm. Winning the championship. Being sustainable. Being an actual stable franchise where, where you have actual sustainable success. I'm talking about the New Englands. I'm talking about the Pittsburghs. Uh, th- those teams that are just just you respect the hell out of them because you know from top down they know what they're doing. Competence is what gets you respect, not not just saying, "Well, we we have a really bad head coach. Let's let's let him coach the whole year, though." Mm-hmm. Who, who's gonna look at that and be like, "That's where I want to go." That's mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, they make a mistake and they double down on it. That's awesome. No, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Uh, and I think that they they should have taken advantage of this rule to at least talk to some people, to at mm-hmm. least talk to some candidates to see who is going to at least make their top ten. They could have at least start start doing their research, start doing their homework a little bit. Uh, but. Now that you know names are being taught, now that the Bears actually have a quarterback, or at least they had they they know who their quarterback is going to be next year. Remember last year or every year before it was like, oh, Carson Wentz might be available. Bears. Oh, Derek Carr might be available. Oh, Bears. Any quarterback in the world's available. Oh, Bears. So now that they can't do that anymore, any coaching candidate is automatically going to the Bears. So it's like, oh, uh, uh, Pete Carroll might be available. Oh, Bears. Oh, Jim Harbaugh might come back to the NFL. Oh, Bears! So every coaching candidate in the world will be linked to the Chicago Bears the next in the next, you know, 48, 72 hours, whatever. Uh, so, uh, speaking of the the biggest name that w- that's been thrown out there so far, Jim Harbaugh, and that's a polarizing name for one reason or another. Uh, and some people are completely out on him. Some people say he's exactly what the Bears need. I, without you know digging deep into the analytics or anything like that, Aldo, what would your thought process be if Jim Harbaugh became the head coach of the Chicago Bears? I'm a little bit torn on him. You know, I, I don't like some of the things that have been said about his managerial style, the dictatorial style that he's very difficult to to you know uh, connect with. A lot of people in the San Francisco 49ers organization had bad things to say about him uh, at Michigan. You know. What's he done? Um, he certainly hasn't, uh, outside of that late season win against Ohio State, outside of that, he's been mediocre, at least for you know a, a Big Ten powerhouse like Michigan. So I realize that there's, there are a lot of positives about Harbaugh and that maybe a tough-nosed, uh, hard-ass uh, head coach is what this team needs, and uh, perhaps he can build that kind of Mike Ditka-type culture where every player is walking around with a chip on his shoulder so you know i've sort of warmed up to the idea a little bit over the last 24 40 48 hours but he wouldn't be at the top of my list listen what do you think yeah i'm leaning more towards i think he'd be a good fit for the bears you know we talk a lot about you know like this whole you know you see him at who matt Nagy is he's a great person right we were just talking about this and the organization they don't need someone like that. They need someone that's going to get winners. We need winners on this team. We need a winning team. And Harbaugh has proven NFL success with the 49ers. We've seen him work with a similar quarterback when he was working with Colin Kaepernick. And, and he's, he, he even saw Justin Fields up close and personal in Michigan. And But also as a Michigan fan, uh, he's not going anywhere. This thing happens every year. It's probably a ploy to get him more money, his coaching mm. staff more money. But, I mean, we have to entertain it because that's, you know, our job at this point. And so right. it happens, but I mean, I, I see the positives and 
you know, I wasn't aware like what uh, Alda was saying about some of the things coming out from San Francisco, which I mean, that makes a lot of sense with his, you know, his demeanor. But he's also someone who, you know, he has ties to the organization. You know, Mike Ditka is somebody that, you know, that I feel like he would kind of embrace that kind of if the if the Bears were to win with him and he's that kind of coach, I think that obviously fans would embrace him. Uh, I definitely think there are positives. I'm not 100% sold. I mean, I'm not going to be sold on any head coach at this point, uh, but I definitely probably lean more towards I think he would be a good fit for the Bears. But I don't think it's going to I'm warming to the idea a little bit, and I didn't think that I would, but I am, because everywhere he does go, he wins. And although I know that he didn't win a championship with Michigan yet, but Alyssa, you know, when Brady Hoke was there, they weren't winning anything. They weren't doing a damn thing. He came in and changed the culture up real quick. They went, they've had their best season in years since they maybe won the national championship in the 90s. This might have been their best year since then. Uh, to to get into the college football playoff, he won at San Diego. He got he won at Stanford. He goes into San Francisco, and you can talk about that roster all you want. But Alex Smith was a bust. Was what everyone was saying. Turned him in. I think they went into an NFC Championship game. Went to a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick. He butted heads with Balky, the GM, who was down down in Jacksonville, and he went to a Super Bowl. And then and then he he leaves San Francisco, goes to Michigan because he knows he could have got that job. They would have they would have if he just called them up and said, "I want the job." They wouldn't even say, "Don't even interview. We'll see you on Monday." And so he knew that he had that job in his back pocket. So uh, and then he's doing a pretty got uh, pretty good job there. I just see a track record of success and a track record of being a head coach, and maybe that abrasive attitude that sometimes rubs people the wrong way is what the Bears need. Maybe they don't need someone that's just like, oh, well, we've always done it this way. Oh, the Bears have always done it this way since 1920. I don't know if Jim Harbaugh is going to have that same attitude. I think he's going to do things a little differently. Now, once again, he's not number one on my list. In fact, I don't think I have a number one on my list. However, I think that I would be okay with it. I would I would understand the positives to that, and I would say this is a guy – that turned Alex Smith into something. This is a guy that uh, really helped Colin Kaepernick get to a Super Bowl. And look what happened to San Francisco when he left. Jim Tom Sula took over. They fell apart. And now hiring Tom Sula maybe wasn't the best idea, but they 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 went nowhere when he left. So um, I'm warming up to the idea. I still think that there's some other candidates. I, I, this is why I'm not a GM, because I'm just like, man, if I could just take this person here, this person here, Frankenstein them together. That'd be, that'd be just, that'd be just great. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting, especially interesting if Ryan Pace is the one that's it, that's pulling the trigger on that. Uh, but the, listen, the Bears do have a game this week. Uh, I know that we <laughs> we're talking. Yeah. I, I, I know it's it's weird. I forgot oh, that they, they actually have a game game this week. Uh, is there anything outside of Justin Fields who apparently is going to start? Is there anything that you can take out of this game? Aldo, because Alyssa and I kind of talked about this earlier. Is there anything you can take out of this game other than what happens with Justin Fields? Yeah, you know, you, you want to see who's playing hard. You want to see uh, what the young guys have to offer. Hopefully, I know that uh, Nagy wants to win so badly that he may not give a lot of playing time to some of the younger guys on the roster, but hopefully he'll have a, a, a you know, change his mind about that and those young guys can get in there. But I think, you know, the headline, of course, is Justin Fields. We really, really, really could benefit greatly if he has an outstanding game against the Vikings and finishes the season with confidence that this game is getting slower for him. 
And he talked about that at yesterday's press conference, or was it today, where he was asked, what do you think that you've improved on? And he said, and he thought for a second, and and he says, I'm seeing the field better than I was at the beginning of the season. I can see where my uh, check down receivers. I know where my secondary receiver is and so forth. And so we want to see that in action. So we want to see quicker decision-making. We want to see him get rid of the ball as quickly. You know, everybody talks about the offensive line and the amount of sacks that they've given up this year. A lot of those are on Justin Fields. You know, that's that's the truth. You know, quarterbacks now are taught to get rid of the ball quickly. You know, there's not many quarterbacks in the NFL that I've seen have gotten sacked on a screen pass. And that was because he held on to the ball too much and he didn't get rid of it and throw it at the feet of the uh, uh, intended receiver and instead was sacked. And so those are the kinds of mistakes that you want to see gone in his game. And that's why. I'm, that's the the biggest reason I'll be watching Sunday. I'll be studying every snap that Justin Fields handles and and grading them. Anything that you would want to see outside of that, Alyssa? Anything that intrigues you in in this game? Because it's uh, it's not exactly the sexiest matchup in the world. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, like we've been talking about, Justin Fields obviously is going to be the big attraction for all the reasons Aldo just said. You want to see. You want to see, we want to see him go out with a strong game, show that he's made a substantial leap from that that starting that start in week three, which was an utter disaster, into this final game and really have something solid and more reps to kind of to go off of. And obviously, get I want to see the young play younger players get some playing time. But again, Matt Nagy's still the head coach, and that was one of the reasons why we wanted him to be fired before the end of the season, right? Um, but I mean, outside of that, maybe I'm, I'm really curious, like about the Vikings and like how this whole Mike Zimmer thing works out and can you imagine the situation I don't I mean I don't it's probably we shot man as backup to darn I was hoping there was some way that we could get a, a Kellen Mond yeah <laughs> Love I that would guy. be all for that I want to see something go down I still remember was it 2018 when the Bears already had a playoff spot wrapped up remember Kirk Cousins going at it on the sideline with Adam Thielen and like this, that whole mess like I'm I'm ready for I'm curious to see what's going down with the Vikings because they're in a very similar situation as us and you know, it's kind of depressing just kind of looking at it at just the Bears and their dysfunction. So it's kind of nice to see that other teams are in the similar boat. So, I mean, not nothing from like a really football perspective other than what we've talked about. But, I mean, I'll be watching the Vikings too. So, hey, why not? There's one other thing I'd like to add is I, I, I also want to see how the Bears contain Justin Jefferson. In that first matchup, he was targeted 10 times. He caught four passes for 47 yards. One of them was a touchdown. But that is, you know, for an outstanding wide receiver like Justin Jefferson and a battered defensive backfield like the Bears had for that game, that was an exemplary effort by that defensive backfield. And kudos to those players and kudos to Sean Desai and the DB coach and so forth. So you know that the Vikings are going to make the adjustments now to get Justin Jefferson 10 catches, not just 10 uh, targets. And so I want to see that chess match and and, and hope to see uh, players make big plays uh, because you know he's going to be targeted frequently. And yeah, also, it, now that you oh, sorry, now that you mentioned that, Akeem Hicks in practice uh, on Wednesday, so I'm curious if he's even going to play because we know the big difference that the run game has, obviously, when he's on the field versus when he's off it. So, I mean, uh, we could see a whole lot of running. and oh, But, I mean, yeah, I'm really curious, like you said, Aldo, about to see because 
you know, they, they were without their entire starting secondary. Now you have Jalen Johnson. This is a situation where I would like to see Thomas Graham out there with Jalen Johnson too, which, I mean, maybe we'll get a couple, you know, several reps with that, but I mean, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how the injury report kind of, I'm, you know, I was just thinking about the injury report with Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinden practice today. So this could be, maybe we could see some younger guys coming off the edge too. Run it every time, make it a 45 minute game, and let's give thing over. I would appreciate that greatly. Yeah. Yes. Thanks to the Giants did that last week. I was like, yeah. this is going by fast. Thank you, New York. Yeah. Run it every. I, the, you know what? The, the, the most dramatic thing that's going to happen is Matt Nagy's post game press conference because it's probably the last one he's ever going to do. Yeah. And so you want to see what kind of questions are lobbed at Matt Nagy because that's probably the last time that any reporter is going to be able to talk to him as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. So I, I, I want to know what's in their arsenal to ask him maybe questions that they've been holding on to all year because they didn't want to rub anybody the wrong way. And they say, well, the hell with it. He's not going to be here. I'm going to ask this right now. So yeah. I, I would be – I'm interested to see how the post-game press conference goes. Uh, but the, the game itself, if it were done in, you know, 35, 45 minutes, I'd be, I'd be just fine with that. <laughs> but, do, you, do any uh, of you think that it, it, for Matt Nagy it could be a bloody Sunday and that there will be an announcement Sunday night after the game that he has been released? If it were at home, Yeah. But they got to travel back from Minnesota, and mm. I think that they'll they'll That's let them true. travel back. They'll let him, if if it if it were at Soldier Field and he was already home at night, then I can see Schefter giving something out at like nine thirty, saying the Bears have been informed Matt Nagy he will not he'll being relieved of his duties. But they're gonna wait till he gets back to Chicago. They're gonna bring him into the office. They're gonna say thank you for your service. They're gonna give him that you know uh, they're gonna give him whatever they give him a watch or a ham or whatever they give you whenever you leave the Bears. And then uh, <laughs> then he'll be millions of dollars. That's what they give you. They'll give you millions of millions of dollars and a honey glazed ham on your way out. So it's <laughs> so I imagine it would be a it would be a, a uh, Monday morning uh, an announcement there, but. Uh, I, I think once once the the game is over, I, I kind of like put on just my NFL hat. I made I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago where it's just like I take off my Bears gear because the season's over. And I just put on a big hat that says NFL because I eat this stuff up. I love chaos. I love things moving around. Who what coach is getting fired? No, I don't want to make light of people losing their their job, but most of the time their severance package is a lot better than mine would ever be. Uh, so, but uh, who's who's getting who's losing their job? What play? What player is you know disgruntled, or who's going to get let go? Uh, just who, and then you get into free agency. Who's signing where? Where's Aaron Rodgers going? Mm -hmm. Who's drafting who? Who's trading up in the draft? What are the Steelers going to do after you know all of the Big Ben stuff is over? I think they're going to throw him a parade until probably July, uh, and then they got to make a decision on who's going to play quarterback for their team. Uh, it, it's just so much that goes on. The, the, the drama of the NFL really starts at the end of the season <laughs> now obviously i love the playoffs and i and i can't wait to see what the playoff matchups are because there are going to be some juicy ones this year i think i think a lot of good teams are going to be against really good teams in the first round this year uh, i don't know if there's any real slouches making it unless i think if like if the saints sneak in because the 49ers lose this weekend i think that that would probably be the weakest team in the nfc which i wouldn't be overly thrilled about but the the 49ers can be dangerous if they do get in so that that's a team that uh can can beat anyone at any time and then the afc obviously is is a, a bunch of good teams as well uh las vegas firing their coach and then possibly making the playoffs uh the possibility that if the jaguars somehow beat the colts 
which is very unlikely. But if they do, then the Chargers and the Raiders, if they tie, they both get in. So they, could they be like, hey, guys, let's just kind of take it easy. Let's both kick a field goal. Gentlemen's <laughs> agreement. Let's let's end this game 3-3, and we'll both go to the playoffs next week. That's, That's a Sunday night game too, right? That's a Sunday yeah, night Yeah, it game. is. Oh, That's why. The NFL would love that. <laughs> yeah, because if if uh, if I think if the Jaguars win, and then and then uh, either the winner of the Chargers and the Raiders would get in, and then somehow the Steelers could still make it in there if they win their game, and uh, the Colts lose, and the Chargers lose, I want to say, then then they would get in, unless the Chargers and the Raiders would tie, mm-hmm. and then they both go if the Colts would lose, but uh, but. Let's just that's saying if the Colts lose, they're not gonna, <laughs> the Colts aren't gonna lose the Jaguars uh, uh, on Sunday. But I root for chaos. Misery loves company. And I wanna see, I wanna, I wanna bring everyone down to our level. I wanna, I, I just wanna see the world burn when it comes to the NFL playoffs. So uh, there's, there's a lot of this stuff that outside of, you know, being a Bears fan, uh, there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot that's still, that's coming down the road, both on the field and off of the field. Uh, there's a lot to, there's a lot to shake out, especially. Once the uh, the you know the Black Monday comes around, uh, but you ju- but it's also this time of year where you just wish the Bears were part of it. You wish the Bears were like key players in here. You're just like, oh my God, they're the three seed, or they're the two seed, or mm-hmm. you know they got they won the division, or they're the number one wild card, or some a team that legit looks like they could make some noise in the playoffs. Because last year it was nice that they were in the playoffs, but they didn't really. They, they were in the playoffs, but they weren't a playoff team. They lost, and because the Cardinals fell apart, they got into that brand-new number seven seed, and you knew what the outcome was going to be in the first round. No one thought they were going to beat the Saints, and they didn't. So I would ju- I just want to see a Bears team that you think, you know what, they get in, they're going to cause some trouble. They could give somebody some hell in the first round. You know what, if they get hot enough, they could, they could potentially you know make a deep run in here because – you, you just you want to have that hope that your team can do something, and we're mm-hmm. we're, we're lacking that right now. We've yeah. we've lacked that for maybe the last two years. So I, I we're just grasping at that hope that one day you're thinking, man, the Bears win this. You know, I know they're not. They may not be the best team in the league. They may not even be the best team in the division. But if they get in, they could be dangerous. They can beat anybody. They can be. And so I just I just want to be able to get to that point because I love the NFL playoffs. I love watching the nfl playoffs it's win or go home your season is teetering in the balance and it's two good teams playing against each other they've been working all year and one has to go home can you imagine if the Colts season ends abruptly or the Chiefs season ends abruptly or uh the the bengals who have been surprising everybody (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) all these 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 teams that have been hitting hot streaks you're like well they could be super bowl contenders boom in an instant gone erased from history they are no longer in in contention it's just that do or die kind of uh that do or die feeling where it's just there's nothing really quite like the nfl playoffs and i love watching it and i just desperately wish the bears could be part of that and not just be part of it but be a real player in that so uh, hoping that we can get to that position at some point but before we get out of here because i'm rambling now uh before we get out of here obviously <laughs> we would be, it'd be we'd be remiss if we did not wish virginia hollis mccaskey a happy 99th birthday the absolute first lady of of the nfl uh beloved owner of the chicago bears and you know piggybacking on what i was saying before get virginia at least a playoff win get get her Please. get her a good team 
please get her a good team. As she deserves it. She's seen enough of the bad ones. Let's, she's let's, let's, got everything she's hanging else. On. Yeah. <laughs> she's trying her damnedest to hang she on. Really to Give me a win. <laughs> yeah. She really is. She's, she is she's uh she is she's one of the, she is a tough she's a tough one. She's a tough cookie, and she is the owner of our Chicago Bears. So let's see if we can get her uh, a championship caliber team at some point, hopefully in the near future. Uh anything else before we get out of here, guys? Because uh, you know, we've been we've been at this for an hour and a half now, but we we've been having a good time. I, you know, I, I just real quickly, I, I'd like your opinion on this. We were talking about, you know, Nagy. Do you think there's a possibility, you know, the Bears being the nice organization that they tell Matt on Saturday night so that his last full meeting with the team at the Vikings hotel, at the Minnesota hotel where they're meeting, he can make his speech and say, guys, it's been great being your coach. You know, I've been informed I'm not being brought back next season. I want you to go out there and play hard and keep showing. You know, that would be kind of a nice sentiment, I think, by Bears ownership to tell Matt, you know, why don't you let your players know. I could see that potentially happening. What do you guys think? I think it in theory, it's nice, but I think of things in the age of 2022 of who's going to leak that information out and make the bears look like idiots because it's going to be, so they're going to be like, Oh, the bears really did pre fire a guy. They did make him coach when he knew he was going to be fired. Uh, I think that's a nice sentiment if it's 1960 and no one's going to hear about it. Uh, but if it's 2022 and all it takes is someone to text or tweet something out, uh, all of a sudden it's going to be like, Hey, did you know the bears actually fired this guy and made him go coach the coach, the team the next day. Uh, So it's nice from his standpoint, but how things are, are perceived are very different. So if, if the bears care about their, apparently they care about their image. Apparently they care, care about their reputation. Um, I don't know. I, I just I, some, it's just hard to swear anyone to secrecy in today's age. It's just it's just hard to keep a lid on anything in today's age because everyone is a source for everyone. You know, you don't think that one of these reporters has a player in there where they just say, "Hey, if anything cool happens, you want to leak that to me," or or an assistant coach or a custodian or someone working at the hotel. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just so hard to keep a lid on that. And if the Bears are okay with it getting out, then go ahead. Um, if they're if they're gonna do what they always try to do and guard things like they're the nuclear codes, then it's gonna end up bad like it always does. Uh, but that's that's. It's I mean, they made it there. this far. They've made it this far. I mean, you're they're gonna just like a day early. That doesn't seem like them. <laughs> like they want to wait until after the season, right? So they're gonna wait till after the game. But you know, like Alder, I think that would be a nice sentiment. But you know, like John was saying, I mean, that could end up just backfiring on them completely. So. And unless they say, Matt, you know what? Monday at 9 a.m., we're, we're having a meeting. We'd like you to be there. <laughs> and they don't, they don't tell you what it is. <laughs> huh, I wonder what this could be about. <laughs> I've been and, to those meetings before on both sides. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you walk in. I, I walked in once. It was uh, it was like 10 o'clock. I was walking in because I, we I thought we were shooting a show in the studio. I walk into my boss's office. There's two HR reps there. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> What's worse uh, than one HR rep? Two HR reps. <laughs> and put the kibosh on that real quick. I had to give him my. I had all my equipment in my hand like a jackass. I'm like, oh, all right, I guess he 
these are yours now. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> yeah, that sucks, man. Uh, no, that's it. But uh, yeah, so um, maybe the, maybe they give him the old, "Hey, Matt, we're having an end of the year meeting in our office, 9 a.m." Oh yeah, can you br- can you bring your key card and playbook and all of your you know all, everything that we gave you? Yeah, yeah, everything you got, just just bring that in. But uh, yeah, I, it's just I, I'm interested to see because. If, if nothing else, they keep us talking about them. And so we don't know what they're going to do with Ryan Pace. And mm-hmm. it would be a very Bears thing to say they're going to fire Matt Nagy and then they haven't. And then after the season's over, still say they haven't made up their mind about Ryan Pace. Wouldn't mm-hmm. that be like the most Chicago Bears thing ever to just be like, we're getting rid of the head coach. We're still not sure about the GM, though. Okay, when will you be? What like what what new data is going to present itself that you can you say? You got a new head oh, coach to go higher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what what news what new information is going to come out to say? You know what? Maybe we should keep him. Or oh no no, but now that I know this, we should probably get rid of him. Nothing new is going to be learned in the next week, so you should have your mind made up by now. Yeah, but. The Bears never have their mind made up. And then when they, when anyone has time to make a decision, they do something very abruptly and then they don't think about the consequences afterwards. Just, mm-hmm. You know, just kick the, kick the can down the road. But uh, before we get out of here, I just want to make sure that everyone uh, likes and subscribes to the Barroom Network. I appreciate everyone in here in the live version, the podcast version, the video version, and the audio version. Uh, next week, even though the Bears season is over, we are having a Buffon 55 extravaganza. You're, you're not going to want to miss this one. We're going to have a bunch of people from the Barroom Network. We're going to have a d- couple of different guests on. We're going to talk about the Bears' future. We're going to reflect on 2021. I'm going to rant a little bit. We're going to probably talk about coaching candidates. Could be talking about GM candidates. We'll see. Uh, but that's we're And then we're also bringing in – we're merging two shows, basically, because Tyler Ellis is going to be on here as well. And we're doing a segment of the Bear Debate right here live on Buffon 55. So if you like Flintstones and the Jetsons – or Family Guy in The Simpsons, you're going to love the Bear Debate and Buffoon 55, despite the fact I'm on both shows. But that's neither here nor there. So it's going to be a really, really good time next week. We're going to all have a therapy session. We're going to just get out all of our feelings. We're in one final big-time show, Buffoon 55, to wrap up the season. We're just going to let it all out. We're going to let all of our feelings out. Join the chat room early. We'll interact with you early and often throughout the night, taking all your questions, taking all your comments, and seeing what we can do about that. But it's it's going to be a great show. So make sure you have your uh, your alerts set up for that one if you want to watch it on YouTube or listen to it anywhere else. That'll, uh, that'll, that'll be a great show uh, next week. That's all I got. Alyssa, what do you got? <laughs> I can't wait for this extravaganza. It's like Fireman, yeah. Maggie Palooza. Hopefully, yeah. Iron Pace Palooza. I'm excited. Uh, but you know, make sure you uh, head over to Bears Wire because I have I got you covered everywhere. GM, head coach. I have like eight different drafts written that I'm sure I'm going to delete <laughs> half of them because who knows with this team, I'll probably end up just like rewriting a whole bunch. So uh, make sure you go to Bears Wire to check out all of the news on the head coaching candidates, potentially GM, even the Vikings game, because there is a game on Sunday. You know, we, we forget oh, yeah. that. So, oh yeah, we forget. So make sure you head over there. And let me add that the best way to stay informed about everything happening here at the Bar Room is to follow us on social media at Bar Room Network. And you can find us everywhere from Facebook, Twitter, and right here on YouTube. What do you got, Aldo? I have uh, Danny Shimon tomorrow night. He is going to break down some tape. Uh, we're going. We've selected a couple players to highlight, and uh, then we're going to talk about some coaching candidates to uh, some of the ones that he likes. Somebody in the chat room asked about Jim Caldwell, 
And it was funny because uh, Danny submitted that name on the list of coaching candidates he'd like to talk about. So we'll be talking about Caldwell and a number of other candidates. That is tomorrow at 9 p.m. Central. And uh, Mike North uh, uh, called me today. He says, I want to continue my little hiatus here. I'm having too good of a time. So no Mike North show tomorrow morning. He'll be back sometime later in January. And then we'll be right after the show. Aldo, Tyler, and I will be on for Bear Football immediately following the game. I said the show, I think. Immediately following the game, we'll be right here live giving you our raw reaction to the Vikings and Bears. Most likely, we'll be looking towards the future and, and we'll be uh, you know, streaming that Matt Nagy press conference to see what might be his last press conference as the Chicago Bears coach. So that will be interesting to see what he says, what is asked of him, and how he reacts. And then we'll see if there's any news breaking while we're on the air. But that'll be a great show, Bear Football, directly after the game right here on the Barroom Network. But that will do it for this edition of Buffon 55. Appreciate each and every one of you still sticking around and listening and watching us every week. I don't You really have nothing else to do, but we appreciate that. So <laughs> and, until next week, everybody, enjoy the game. We'll see you next time. Adios.